To me, living a life of faith means trusting the Lord and obeying him with what he says. Um, I love truth and the fact that God is truth is where I build my faith on. I can believe him. And so, um, there's an old hymn we used to sing, Trust and Obey. That's, that's what faith is about. It's, it's doing what the Lord tells me to do and to believe that he is who he is. You know, the definition of trust is um, an assured reliance on the ability, the character, the strength, and the truth of someone or something. Does that not define God? And if I can't build my life of faith around God, then what can I build it on? It has been a blast serving for 50 years with Rick. I mean, it just has. And he is an extraordinary man, and it was an extraordinary marriage, but let me tell you, he was extremely human, and our marriage was no different than anybody else's. And um, we had fun serving together, but we were very different. Rick is an extrovert and was active, and as you well know, he was on several committees and loved it, and he was the one who would answer the phone if it rang and immediately respond, and I am an introvert. I know people deny that and say, how can that be, but it's true. Um, I mean, off-the-wall introvert. Um, but I do people well. I love people. And um, we needed each other. He needed me to give him a sense that it's okay to be quiet and to wait and to on the Lord and to to be quiet with the Lord. And he, I needed him to, to keep me moving out and to um, reaching out to people. Um, and so our, our, our ministries at church were very different, but they were, um, they were unified at the same time. You know, Rick had a very bad heart. So people you know, were very surprised when he um, had an, a cardiac arrest. Um, he and I actually had been talking for the last two years about um, his, we were assuming since he was 10 years older than I am and had a bad heart, said so many physical issues, um, that he would die first. And we talked about that at great length. And my prayer was always that the Lord would keep me healthy and strong so I could walk him up to heaven's door. And he let me do that. Um, being a nurse is a big, was a big help. Um, but Rick and I frequently had tea on our porch at three as you would drive by and see us and we'd wave. Um, we talked a lot about heaven the last year. We both had a sense that Rick's life was coming to an end. And that was not a bad thing. Um, and we both talked about heaven and what, what was it going to be like. And uh, we came to the conclusion that the scripture doesn't tell us a whole lot between when we die and when the Lord comes back and our bodies are raised. But in between where he is now, we know he's present with the Lord. And that was enough. I can't say that his, the cardiac arrest was not a surprise. We didn't, I mean, obviously he, we were babysitting the kids and he had just played hide and seek, but um, the Lord, and if, if, if come and ask me about this, there are 18 trillion ways the Lord was so gracious in that moment that he had his arrest to when he died, and I want to tell you about a whole bunch of them. But let it be enough that standing in the emergency room, watching them intubate Rick, um, was probably the first time in the, since he arrested that I had time to be quiet and think and actually cry out to the Lord, even though I knew the Lord was with me the whole time. I just said, Lord, 
And um, immediately the Lord said into my mind, Beth, there's a time to be born and a time to die. Rick's life's complete. It was like a good story that's been read. And he graciously gave us 11 days to be together as a family and for church members to come and visit him. He was great. And there were a couple days we thought this was he was going to be able to come home. But as he died peacefully, um, there was just this strong sense of just of of the rightness that that there there was sadness. I'm not saying that I wasn't sad, but there was no sense of of terrible loss that, oh no, this is wrong. God was odd up in heaven going, what was I thinking? Rick is not done at Alpine and you still would love to be have him. No, his, his work was done. And since that time, um, the Lord has given me an overwhelming sense of peace. And the verse that I was holding on to is, if you build your house on the rock, the, not if, but when the rains come and the floods come and the winds blow, that house will stand. And I love the house. I love sitting in front of the fire with my cat and my cup of tea, and it's warm and I can hear the wind, and I can, the, wind, the windows are rattling, but I am safe because my house is built in the rock. But in those three days and on times afterwards, um, the Lord has said, I want you to come out of the house. And, and where the peace came was holding, lying down. He told me, lie down on, my, on me, the rock. And I'll tell you, that rock is hard, and it's cold, and it's wet, and it's slippery, and it's hard to hold on to. And the Lord said to me, hold on, I will not let you go, but I need you to know what faith feels like, not in the house, but on the rock. Because, Beth, the truth of that verse is it's not about the house. It's about the rock. And I have so appreciated that. Um, you know, the, the line, from life's first cry to final breath, Jesus controls my destiny. I know that the day Rick was born, God knew that was the day he was going to die. He also knew that the day I was born, I'd be standing in that emergency room watching that, feeling that, no, this is not a shock or a surprise to you, Lord. This is all happening the way it's supposed to be. There is a time to be born and a time to die, and I trust you. I'm content. There is a book that is precious to me, and the title of it is by Eugene Peterson, is A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And that's faith to me. That's my faith. That's my faith walk, is a long obedience in the same direction. Not easy, sometimes tedious, sometimes hard, sometimes great, but that's, that's what I've tried to, to live out. Those of you who have the privilege of knowing Beth and her late husband, Rick Knox, um, they are some of the founding uh, members of Alpine Chapel and like hashtag goals for all of us. Like they are, when we think about faith as our foundation and what it means to live life well, 
these are the two people that come to our minds. And so we celebrate everything that God has done in their lives. We, can we just thank God again for the story that he's written with them? And can we just celebrate everything that he's doing? Uh, my name is Alex Geller. I'm the spiritual formation pastor here at Alpine Chapel, and so uh, glad to have you here this morning and to be able to share it with you. If you have a Bible with you, either hard copy or on your phone, go ahead and open that up. We're going to be in Luke six, chapter or Luke chapter six, verses forty six to forty nine. If you don't have a Bible with you, the words will be on the screen behind me, or you can grab one of our hard copy Bibles from the shelves at the back of the room. But we're going to be in Luke six chapter. Luke, I did it again. Luke six. Verses 46 to 49. And when you get there, go ahead and stand with me and we'll read these words together. We're in the New Testament, third book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Luke 6, verses 46 to 49. These are the words of Jesus. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me and listens to my teaching and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. You may be seated. If you've been tracking with us for these past few weeks at Alpine, we are in the middle of a message series called Living Values. And what we're doing is we are looking at our lives and looking to the heart of God and saying, what would it look like for us to live like the things that mattered to God actually mattered to us? What if the things that were valuable to God were actually the things that determined what we did and what we said and how we lived our lives? What would it look like for us to live out God's values? And so we've been having this conversation over the past couple weeks talking about what would it look like for us to live like Jesus is our hope, like people are our passion, because people matter to God, they matter to us. What would it look like for us to live like worship? No matter what, worship would be our response. What would it look like for us to live like community is our design? And over these past few weeks, we've found ways that we're doing that well and practicing the heart of God in our own lives in ways that God is inviting us into a deeper level of knowing him and sharing him with the world around us. And this week, we get to talk about this idea that faith is our foundation and what it looks like for us to live like faith is our foundation. And these two words, faith and foundation, faith is kind of this out there, almost kind of fuzzy concept that isn't really well defined even within communities of faith like ours. And then foundation is this word that's very concrete, it's very tactile, it's very firm and stable. And so we have this vague idea of faith and we're saying we want this faith to be our foundation, the solid thing that doesn't move, but what are we actually trying to say? And so we're going to take some time this morning to talk about what is a foundation? What is faith? When we say faith is our foundation, what do we actually mean and how does all of this tie back 
to the words and person of Jesus. And so that's kind of our roadmap for this morning. What is a foundation? What is faith? What do we mean when we say faith is our foundation? And how does all of this tie back to Jesus? And so I'm going to ask uh, that we pray together as we dig into this and hear from God and what he has for us this morning. Can we do that together? God, thank you that we have the opportunity to gather in this place and hear from you. We're here because we believe you do have something for us that you do want to speak. And as much as we come into this place to celebrate you and share you with each other, there are things that you want to share with us as well. And so we ask that you would give us open minds and open hearts to hear clearly everything that you would want us to hear and that you would give us the courage to move forward in obedience with whatever you call us to do when we leave this place. We love you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. So faith is our foundation. When we say foundation, what are we talking about? Most of, us, most of us in this room, when we talk about the idea of foundation, we're familiar with the idea of a foundation kind of like at the bottom of a building, right? It's the thing that has to go down first before anything else can be built on it in order to give it some stability and structure. If you were to Google the word foundation and find a definition for that, you also get kind of an expanded definition of what a foundation is. A foundation is an underlying basis or a guiding principle for something. It's where something starts. It's at the core of an idea or an organization or a person. It's the thing where everything begins and what everything circles back to. A foundation is what sets the tone. It sets the trajectory, defines the scope and the boundaries, and it's what you come back to when things get off track. Foundations are what make their way into company mottos or mantras or the Our History page of your favorite company's website. Inevitably, if you go to the Our Story page for your favorite company's website, there will be a line that says something to the effect of, our company started with the simple idea that blank. That blank is the foundation. It's where things started and what things come back to. You could say that the foundation is the one thing about something that shapes everything. It's where things start, it's what things come back to. And it's so important that whenever a new nation, a new company, a new church, a new organization, a new family, anytime something new starts, people take the time to explore what is our foundation going to be? What is gonna be at the core of who we are? What are we gonna keep coming back to to determine the decisions that we make and the future that we're going to explore? Anytime something new starts, the question is asked, what is going to be our foundation? Unfortunately, as people, we don't get the same luxury before we start. The womb is not a nine-month think tank. We don't get to have a prenatal committee to assemble and say, okay, what is our foundation going to be? What are we going to build this whole life thing on? By the time we come into the world, we have to start building a life somewhere. And so we take the most stable things that we can find, either the things that are handed to us by our families or our communities, or if those things are not stable, we try to cobble together whatever we can. We find the most stable thing that we can to start building a life on. But it's not until years later for most that we actually are challenged with the question, what am I building my life on? 
And that doesn't often happen until something comes along to challenge the foundation. And when we start to realize that maybe this thing that my whole life has been organized around isn't as stable as I thought it was. Usually this happens in later life for many when there's a loss of a job or a relationship or a status. Sometimes it happens even earlier in childhood. But inevitably, each and every one of us will be confronted with the question, where are you laying the foundation of your life? What are you building on? What's the thing that you keep coming back to and that you keep thinking, as long as this stays put, life's going to be fine. So when we talk about a foundation, what we're talking about is that underlying basis, that guiding principle for something. It's the thing where everything starts and where everything comes back to. So if that's a foundation and we believe that faith is our foundation, then what is faith? Even if you grew up in the church or you grew up as a follower of Jesus or in a family that followed Jesus, faith is this word that gets used in so many different ways, even within a Christian community, that it's kind of difficult to determine when we say faith is our foundation, what, what do we even mean when we say faith? And if you have your ears open to conversations that happen outside of a Christian community, faith is used in so many different ways there as well that it's really hard to pin down at all what faith means. But if our foundation is going to be that important, we need to understand what faith is. And if we turn off all of those other voices that are trying to inform our perspective on faith and we look to Scripture as our guide and ask God, what do you have to say about what faith is? There are several things that come up. We hear faith used in the words like faith communities or faith interest groups or faithful spouses or unfaithful spouses. These are the conversations that happen outside. Or we talk about good faith contracts or leaps of faith or blind faith. All of those things fade away when we turn to scripture and say, what is faith? And there are three things that come out that are very clearly what faith is not. First off, faith is not just having a religious affiliation. So if we hear the conversations about the Christian faith or the Muslim faith or Buddhist faith or people of faith, faith, from a biblical perspective, isn't just having some sort of religious affiliation. Faith is also not taking a risk. Faith is not looking at your options, considering the different paths you could take, calculating the odds, seeing that they're not in your favor, but still deciding to do it anyways. That's called taking a risk. That is not having faith. So faith is not just a religious affiliation. It's not taking a risk. And it's not, and this is a really important one, faith is not choosing to believe something without actually having thought about it. And this is a way that faith gets used sometimes within the context of people who've grown up in church or have experience with a faith community, is that we use this word faith as almost a theological escape pod. That as soon as we get into a conversation that feels a little bit above our pay grade, boop, I just have faith. It's like, no, you just ran away from this conversation. Where'd you go? <laughs> faith is not an excuse to just sort of not think about things. And when we use faith in that way, what we're actually doing is perpetuating a stereotype of Christianity that says that you can't follow Jesus and have a brain at the same time. And that's not true. Jesus would be the first one to tell you, if you want to do this thing, count the cost. 
do your homework, do your research, then come and follow me. And so faith is not choosing to believe something without actually having done your homework. It's not taking a risk. It's not a religious affiliation. Faith is, simply put, when we read scripture, faith is trust. The word that gets translated as faith in our New Testaments is the same word that gets translated as reliable, trustworthy, true. Faith is trusting something enough to do something about it. It's putting your well-being in the hands of something else that you think is actually going to be trustworthy. Faith is active. It's not conceptual. It has everything to do with the choices you make, the decisions that you make. Faith is trust, specifically trusting something enough to actually do something about it. And if we have this biblical idea of what trust is, what we see is that every single person in this room, regardless of where you stand with Jesus or if you believe in him or anything like that, each and every person in this room is a person of, of faith. It's very hard to live life without trusting someone for something. Many of us growing up, or some of you in this room, taking the bus to school is an act of faith. You're trusting the bus driver that he knows where he's supposed to go and that he's going to get you there on time safely. The whole concept of ride-sharing, lifts and Ubers and all that, this is completely contrary to everything we were taught growing up. I'm going to use the internet to find a stranger to whom I will give money so I can get in their car and have them take me somewhere. This should not be a thing. But there are millions of dollars to be made in this industry all built on acts of faith. Google Maps. We trust Google Maps an awful lot to get us where we're supposed to go. Lots of transportation analogies right now. We're getting into tax season. We're going to trust our financial well-being to accounting firms, to CPAs. Election season is coming up. We're going to trust politicians and candidates with our well-being. We exhibit faith every single day. This everyday faith, these micro-faith moments are what our life consists of. Each and every person in this room is a person of faith. If faith is trusting something enough to do something about it. We have faith in things all sorts of times, every single day. But if there's such thing as micro-faith and these little everyday experiences of faith, then we also need to zoom out and talk about this idea of big-picture faith or macro-faith. Not only what am I trusting to give me a good life in this moment, but what am I trusting to build my life on that's actually going to last? What am I trusting enough to lay the foundation of my life in it? We got a whole bunch of people together a few months ago and asked them, where do people choose to build their lives? Where do you fill in the blank? Blank is our foundation. How do people fill in that blank? And here's some of the things they came up with. Success is our foundation. As long as we can achieve at a certain level, that's what's going to give us a life that lasts. Acceptance by others is our foundation. Financial stability, as long as my 401k or my retirement or my cash flow is at a certain level, things are going to be okay and my life's going to be good. Relationships are our foundation. Status is our foundation. 
Keeping up with culture is our foundation. Independence and our capacity to choose and make decisions in our own life is our foundation. Appearance and how others perceive us. Philanthropy, being a good person. Family tradition and our heritage is our foundation. Religion is our foundation. And this is just a short list. We could add others to this. Logic is my foundation. Science is my foundation. What are you looking to to give you this sense of an unshakable life? What are you building your life on? That is what's at the foundation. That's what you're trusting to give you a life that lasts. And so if a foundation is this underlying principle, if it's the one thing about something that guides everything, and if faith is our trust, trusting something enough to do something about it, then what do we mean when we say that faith is our foundation? As followers of Jesus, as people who are pursuing the heart of God and experiencing his life inside and want to share his life outside, when we say faith is our foundation, what we mean is that we live like God can be trusted. Not just up here, but we actually act like it. We take Jesus at his word and the things that he says are best, the things that he calls us to do, we do them because we trust him enough to actually do something about it. And this is a big deal because as Jesus taught on this topic, as he invited people to follow him and even in our cultural context today, there's this idea that you can have an everyday sort of micro faith that's separate from your big picture macro faith. That you can say, oh yeah, I believe in God, but I hate that guy. And there is no way that I'm going to forgive him for what he did to me or to the person I love. That you can say, yeah, I love God, I follow Jesus, I believe in all that. But the things that I have are are mine. Like I worked for this, I earned this, I deserve this, and I should be the one who makes the decisions here. There's this separation that people believe exists between what we say is our big picture faith and our everyday faith, but the separation of these things is not an option that Jesus left open for us. A life of faith, faith is our foundation. Trusting Jesus enough to actually do something about it is where these two things have to come together. So when we say faith is our foundation, what we mean is we live like God can be trusted trusted enough to obey him and actually enjoy him at the same time. And that's when we turn to the teachings of Jesus in Luke 6, verses 46 to 49 that we read earlier, where Jesus teaches, what does it look like to build your life on the foundation of believing who I am and doing what I've asked you to do? It's the blueprint for building a life that lasts. And as we read these verses again, I'd encourage you to hear them not as a threat. Because some people have interpreted this passage from Jesus as a threat, as a you better do this or I'm going to do this. What this isn't, it's not a threat, it's a warning. It's a declaration of reality, of cause and effect. Like if you touch a hot stove, you're going to get burned. And it's an invitation from Jesus to build a life that lasts. And so in Luke 6, verses 46 to 49, we read again. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? 
Why do you think that you can have this big picture faith where you say that I'm God and I get to call the shots and I'm Lord, but you don't actually live like it or do anything about it? Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me and listens to my teaching and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock that can't be moved. And when the flood waters rise, when they rise, not if, but when the flood waters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey, doesn't follow through, is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. And when the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse in a heap of ruins. This passage from Luke 6 comes at the end of what's called the Sermon on the Plain. It's basically Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has spent several passages teaching about what it looks like to live a life that's founded on him. And he gets to this final point where he says, don't call me Lord and not do what I say because that option's not on the table anymore. If you come to follow me, your whole life will change. But you'll have a life that lasts. I want that for you. I know you want that for you. So come to me and let's do that. The blueprint that Jesus gives us for building a life that lasts starts with that invitation. Come to me. Listen to my teaching and then follow it. Jesus says the person who has an indestructible life, the person who has this life that lasts starts by coming to me. Believing and following Jesus isn't about a religious system. It's not about a constellation of spiritual ideas that we say, yes, I believe that that's true. Following Jesus starts when we come to a person, the person of Jesus, and say, I want to know what this is all about, and I want to follow you. And this claim by Jesus, we can't miss the fact that this is an audacious claim. If you're familiar with other religious texts or if you've explored the teachings of other people who are trying to be life coaches or point you in the right direction or whatever, people are always doing one of two things. They're either pointing you away to something else or they're pointing you to an inner truth. They're either pointing you to, if you just follow this way, if you follow this system, if you adopt these principles, that is the way and you'll find a life that lasts. Or they're telling you, you have to find your inner truth. You have to dig down deep and find what's true for you and build your life there. And Jesus steps onto the scene and says, if you want to find the way, I am the way. And if you want to find the truth, I am the truth. And if you want to build a life that lasts, I am the life. This is a obnoxiously proud and audacious claim unless... It's true. If Jesus isn't who he says he is, then this is crazy talk. But if Jesus is right, then this changes everything. But we can't miss the audaciousness of this claim that Jesus doesn't point and say, go over there or look within yourself. He says, come to me. Come to me. Build your life on me, and I'm going to give you a life that lasts. 
It doesn't stop when we come to Jesus, but it continues when we listen to his teaching. Listening to Jesus' teaching means that we have to be humble enough to be wrong, to be curious, to be challenged, and to entertain the idea that maybe the thing that we have been building on for the past several years is a false foundation. Maybe there's some work that needs to be done. Maybe we need to change the way that we're living our life because the life that we've been living isn't going to last. So we have to be humble enough to explore what Jesus says, to be curious about what he says, to be challenged by what he says, to be wrong, to be taught, and to learn a new way and to have the patience to undergo that entire process. The blueprint of a life that lasts and a life of faith comes to Jesus, listens to his teaching, and then follows it. There's this clause there of like, you actually have to do something about all this. But the invitation that Jesus gives is an invitation into a life that's well lived. And the life of faith, our faith will always reveal its presence or its absence by the decisions that we make. Faith expresses itself in the things that we do. Faith is trusting something enough to do something about it. And if our actions, our everyday choices are not in line with what Jesus says about himself, about reality, about what it means to live the best life, then it's not a life that will last. And Jesus lays all of this out for us. He doesn't have us play hide and seek or just try to figure it out on our own about what it means to live a good life. He says crazy things like love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Not just like say like, oh, but I love them. God love them and I do too. But like actually do good to them. Like buy them a coffee or concert tickets or like do something to be good to them. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who hurt you. As vocal as they are about bad-mouthing you, you say good things and blessing about them. Don't condemn others unless you want condemnation for yourself. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give of what you've been given and you'll receive more than you can handle. And before you get all wrapped up in someone else's faults, take a good long look at your own and deal with those first. Jesus does us an immense favor in letting us know what this life actually looks like. And it's a travesty for us to hear those words, nod in agreement, and then do nothing about it. And it reveals the fact that our foundation might not be where we thought it was. And if we actually do trust Jesus to help us build a life that lasts, that's a life that comes to Jesus that listens to his teaching and then actually follows it. And Jesus went even a step further. He said, if you follow me, you won't just have the teachings that I've given you in scripture, which is immensely important, but I'm also gonna give you my Holy Spirit. I'm gonna give you my voice that helps you navigate the decisions that you're gonna make and leads you into the choices of what does it look like to build a life that lasts. This morning, we had the privilege of hearing from Beth and Rick, and the life that they live together and that now Beth is continuing as she follows Jesus into everything that he has for her. They have built a life that lasts. 
They were a picture of what this looks like. And I had the privilege of talking to Beth before services began today. And she said, you know what? It's really just about all of those little choices. Our lives aren't made out of one big decision. Our lives are made from those little choices that we make every single day that are the choices of what foundation are we going to build on. It's like every choice is a brick or a plank or a piece of our life that gets built up into this house and we are choosing with every decision we make to trust Jesus or not, to follow him or not. And every one of those choices is an invitation to build a life that lasts. But it starts with the choices that we make now. And this is the point in the message where I get to say, okay, I've spent a couple weeks thinking about this, and now you get to think about it. Discipleship is hearing from Jesus and then doing what he says. Secondhand discipleship would be someone from the stage listening to Jesus and then telling you what he said. And what that robs you of is actually a deeper relationship with Jesus. And so what we want to do is give you questions to think about as you're going about your day and your week, as you're talking to your spouse or your significant other or your family or your workplace or your community, whatever group you're a part of, questions to process throughout this week that help you drive down deep into what does it look like for us to build a life that lasts. And they're questions that are organized around Jesus's blueprints for a life that lasts. Come to me, listen to my teaching and follow it. Come to me, where is your foundation? Honestly, with yourself. Have you ever had that conversation? Have you ever asked that question? What's the one thing in your life that seems to be driving everything about your life? What do you keep coming back to for the choices that you make and the fears that you have and the desires that keep creeping up? What is at your foundation? And if it is anything other than Jesus, are you willing to trust him? And I want to take a moment to talk to the folks in the room that maybe, maybe you've been exploring this idea of faith in Jesus for a while. And you, you are actually doing the hard work of thinking this through of determining what is this going to be? What is this all about? What claims is Jesus making and what is he asking of me? You're doing your homework, and that is admirable. There is a point when your investigation of Jesus and your pursuit of who he is and what he's calling you into and the truth that he is presenting, where any further research would be driven not from a lack of information, but from a place of fear. Fear that you've gotten to the point, a very natural, a very human, a very understandable fear of taking your well-being and placing it into the hands of another. My wife and I have been married for a little over 10 years now. And on our eighth anniversary, we went to a high ropes course, which if you know us is very out of character. So we went to this high ropes course and one of the things that were part of this high ropes course was a three story jump attached to this pulley that you jumped off and it would, you would, there would be this moment of weightlessness and then you'd gradually get to the ground. They'd catch you, they'd unhook you, you'd be fine, it'd be great. We watched videos about this particular jump. We saw the pictures. As we drove up, we watched other people do it. But there's something about standing at the edge of a three-story drop that just makes you a little nervous. 
And at that point, more information doesn't take away the fear. I could have a PhD in physics standing next to me, working through all the equations and telling me, yes, you're gonna be fine at the end of this. I could have a structural engineer right next to me saying, yeah, this thing is all, it's all legit. You can do this. We signed the waivers. It's fine. You're gonna be good. More information will not take away the fear. A very natural fear of handing over control of your life to someone else. And there will be a point in your investigation of Jesus which is again, admirable and, be, and to be applauded, that you need to start wrestling with the question, am I really doing more infor- investigation because I want more data to make a decision or am I just delaying what I know to be the response that's required of me? To hand over control of my life to this one that says, if I build my life on him, I'll have a life that lasts. You'll need to wrestle that. In the quiet moments of your day, you'll need to invite, if you're ready, invite Jesus into that conversation to say, okay, is this about information anymore? Is this about fear? And you'll have the choice of whether or not you're gonna turn away and let your fear of being out of control drive your decision, or if you will trust Jesus enough to take that jump, knowing that he is who he says he is and will do what he says he's going to do. And for what it's worth, I did jump off the platform and I'm still here. So there you go. (laughs) But where is your foundation? What are you building your life on? Have you taken the time to think about that? Where's your foundation? And the next question, when was the last time that Jesus said something that challenged your way of thinking? If Jesus says, you have to come to me and then listen to my teaching... Listening to Jesus' teaching implies that we don't know everything yet. And that we need to have the humility to listen and be challenged. When was the last time that Jesus said something that challenged your way of thinking? And finally, Jesus says we must come to him, listen to his teaching, and then follow it. If what Jesus says is true, based on what you know of him, based on how you read his teachings... What is your next total trust decision? Wherever you're at in your relationship with Jesus, this is a question to ask when you wake up in the morning, when you think about what's going on in your day, based on what Jesus says to be true about himself, about life, about what it means to live and build a life that lasts. What is your next total trust decision? and then to do it. These questions are what we're going to leave you with this week to talk about as families, to talk about as communities. And we're processing these as a collective, as a gathering, as a church, as this body of people that we call Alpine Chapel. What does it look like for us to trust God in the future that he's inviting us into? We'll do that as individuals. We'll do that as a church. But we do that because we love Jesus and we want to get closer to him and have that life that lasts. I'm going to ask you to stand with us. I'm going to pray over you as we dismiss today. May you, in the life that God has given you, realize that any life built on a foundation that is not him is a life that will wash away, but a life that is founded on the person of Jesus 
will last. May your trust for him grow. May your love for him grow. And when you wake up each morning and look in the mirror, may you see a life of faith staring back at you. And when it comes to life's final breath, may the life that you have built on the solid rock of Jesus still be standing firm. We love you guys. Have a great week, and we will see you here next time. You're dismissed.